Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. First one we were talking before, and he he used the word charming, which uh, I think is a very dangerous word unless you're actually using it about something that is charming. Which um, your your fucking movie is charming, so it's a fair <laughs> cop. But, um, <laughs> I know everyone's like you know describes it as adorable or cute or whatever, and you know you never you never writing or creating from a place of like trying to make something cute. I always look at Marcel as just a character that has like an extreme disability. so i'm glad people think he's cute and charming i just yeah um Uh, that's interesting by the way i just want to say uh i'm i'm so honored to be on your podcast and also i'm such a huge fan of both of you it's uh to me insane that i'm getting to talk to you definitely keeping that we're not cutting that part joe (laughs) (laughs) yeah just for your personal stash um Uh, yeah i can't uh, so i'll 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 cop to it i I think it had probably um, crossed my radar somehow. It was like the title didn't sound completely out of left field. Yeah, I was yeah. unfamiliar until I sort of dug into it a little bit with the phenomenon um, of of Marcel, the shell with shoes on. And, uh, you know, if you have any idea about me, if you've known me for five seconds, it's not surprising. This would not have entered my um, <laughs> Your orbit, my yeah. radar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. he, well, he's not a specialist in whimsy. <laughs> but yeah, it, or or whatever. It's not even all these words are, are unfair because they they connote something that doesn't quite do it justice. But um, right. But yes, yeah, so the uh, yeah. Coke can washing ashore on your uh, God's must be crazy island. There you go. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. See there. Well, by the way, because one of the things about halfway through the film, I'm going. This is this is. I'm trying to come up with better words than charming. But I'm also like in the best way possible. I'm going. Does this guy even watch movies or is he sort of absorbing other things? And then eventually uh-huh. it slowly became clear that that um, um, he does actually watch films. But uh, that, was, that, was, <laughs> that was a good reference. By the way, not that there's anything wrong with that. I actually know some filmmakers who watch nothing, um, which I think is Oh, I mean, I've watched so much less now that I've started making movies, but yeah, not on purpose. That, but... Unfortunately, that comes with the territory. That's uh, <laughs> a curse, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you really, uh, I, yeah. Um, uh, no, I want, yeah, I've, I've always watched a ton of movies, but I do think, I think what you're hitting on is something that I'm, I sort of love about Marcel, but also sometimes presents problems when we're, we've been trying to pitch it or when we've been trying to market it or whatever, which is that like, uh, yeah, I, I have always loved movies. I've always wanted to be a director. I'm like, I'm not the most, uh, not, not, I'm not the, I'm not a, uh, you know, Tarantino level uh, encyclopedic memory of movies, but I've seen a lot of movies and, 
Um, and Marcel is so sort of, uh, he, I think if you just look at a picture of him, you're like, all right, he, it looks like it could be in a Pixar movie or something. It looks like a cute Disney yeah, thing. True. I don't know. Yes. And, uh, and the, the truth is that the people behind it are not, are not coming from that world at all. And so we, there's always a little bit of a misunderstanding about, you know, why we made this movie or whether we're, you know, uh, like way back before we realized we had to do it independently, all those first studio meetings were just like, what? It's like they, it's like they don't even, didn't even watch our thing. It's like, they just see this as like, like they were pitching us, like pairing Marcel with, um, Ryan Reynolds or John Cena and they like fight crime <laughs> together. And <laughs> yes, yes. I'm not saying I wouldn't watch that movie. That sounds like a great movie, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't the one for us at the moment. Um, and, and so it is, it is always like a, a weird thing that like, you know, the people that are behind this very cute sort of dismissively cute character are actually very serious about films and about, uh, about this character. Well, by the way, speaking of, so which, which is your favorite, the rock movie that um <laughs> my favorite the rock movie gosh he's great in so much stuff what's the is, one oh sorry go ahead no, I, saying, I think i think the rock and marcel is uh oh yeah is Definitely. a natural um, a natural pairing a, a um, rock and a shell yeah rock and a shell uh, <laughs> uh i really like him in whatever that movie is where he's or if it's a, oh, San Andreas, I think he's great in. Oh, yeah, The Big Earthquake, yes. yes. Yeah, The Big Earthquake one, because he's, maybe it's because I just moved to LA when that came out, but he also right. is like, um, you know, he plays the action hero so well, but that one, it just felt like really got into some pathos for his, I think he's divorced, trying to win custody of his daughter or something. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's a new twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the, uh, the action hero is a divorced gentleman. Wow. Anyway, this time we, uh, so we're talking to Dean Fleischer Camp, who is the, um, Creator, co-co-writer, correct, uh, yeah. or and director of um, God help me, uh, the most charming movie I've seen in a long time, uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is based on the actually series of shorts, correct? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, we made three shorts. We're just absolutely insane YouTube phenomenon, phenomena. Uh, how how even before nah, you've been answering all these questions, we won't we won't even take you. We won't take you <laughs> that road. I apologize. But um, it it is it's a uh, uh, God it's lovely. I mean, it really is a lovely film. Um, I don't know quite how to describe it because it isn't. Uh, it's not a kids' film, but it's a kids' film. It's not a. Oh God, I hate to say it's it's um, an inspirational film, but it's kind of an inspiration. Like now you're now you're doing like straight to video Christian movies or something that. I'm, <laughs> I don't know, but it it's the thing that I really like about it the most is that it's its own thing. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, uh, it appears to be a documentary. Um, I won't comment on whether or not I believe it's real or not. Um, I do. Leslie Stahl was that just, that just seems like the most out of left field. <laughs> uh, it came from, honestly, came, we made the, the movie in a pretty um, unique way. Um, to, it, to try to, you know, capture that documentary authenticity, the texture of that. Um, and so, but, but what it unintentionally allowed us to do was that we were writing the script while we were getting to figure out like, okay, we can cast this person. We can confirm Leslie will be involved. So it, it wasn't a thing where like we were, um, I mean, swapping out like new news, famous news anchors every time, like, Got it. So I, it wasn't I didn't like replace the name in the script every time you didn't make the down. movie just so you could work with Leslie Stahl. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, 
Um, but we, but we, but I did love working with her and she was our like first choice because it just seemed so, it started as a, a bit of a joke. Like we were just riffing about how Marcel is, uh, that there's no television in his house. So they're just, they're, their only window into pop culture is whatever the neighbor is watching. And maybe the neighbor's, you know, an older couple that loves 60 minutes. So, um, so it started as sort of just a, a, a riff or a joke or whatever. And then when we were, when we were, you know, getting into fleshing out the third act, we were like, oh, that's, like we got to get Leslie Stahl to be in this. She could be our, our superhero. Um, but that kind of uh, goes to the nature of the film too, because it's yeah. just it's there's nothing in it you'd expect. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, which must have been hell for them to cut a trailer for. But, uh, um, but <laughs> I know. But let's yeah, let's talk about some of the movies that you love though. You're um, uh, I, I haven't even told Joe because we never showed Joe the list. Um, right. He likes to go cold and um, either someone didn't communicate it entirely clearly, or you just went, screw it. I'm the director of Marcel, the show with shoes on and I'm going to give him way more than 10. There are but, more than 10, but I figured, <laughs> I figured we could find a thread here. Cause I was like, I don't know. These 10 feel important to me, but there's no, I can't pin a narrative or a through line. Um, but I guess looking at it now, I'm like, well, it's a lot of films that um, either transcend comedy in a way, the the, the oh, okay. strict sure. bound, bounds of um, you know being mainstream comedy, uh, or directors that have done that, like you know right. um, Jerry Zucker or someone like that, who like you know famous for Airplane and then makes Ghost. Um, well, that's because there were some that I really wanted to hit on, but if you know if you yeah yeah no about, no go for it. I, um, I, I'm happy to talk about any of these or none of these because I thought <laughs> I thought it was kind of fun. Uh, um, I'm a fan of some of these. I've never sort of thought of them all as as a whole, but. Uh, you, you talked about, um, uh, you literally phrased it as Tim Burton's insane early run. And oh my God, that streak of movies. Come on, man. I, I was, I mean, those, those movies were, uh, I grew up really drawing and painting and, you know, we had a VHS, my older brother got a VHS camera for like his 16th birthday or something. We started making short films and went that direction. But Tim Burton was like the first, uh, that, ins that early run of movies. Series Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Batman. Batman Returns right after that? Or do you Batman Returns. Well, yeah, yeah I was okay. going to say, uh, close friends of both myself and the show um, are the writers of his, the two films you left off, his next two films being <laughs> Batman Returns, uh, which is Dana Waters, and of course, Ed Wood. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, those are both amazing movies as well. I just, I, you had to, I had to stop <laughs> listening to Tim Burton movies. You, you had to stop before you got to the Planet of the Apes movie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be kind, Joe. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, 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 I think it's, it was so clear uh, watching that even as a kid that like those movies were coming from a specific sensibility. You know, mm -hmm. he, he had such a, um, indelible look to them and they hadn't they did they came out and they didn't look like anything else i'd seen certainly uh beetlejuice and edward scissorhands have like really distinct aesthetics right. and um and somehow that those can like both exist in the same aesthetic world uh and so i think it was a it was a connecting point for me um uh, not just that i love movies but like oh you can be a you can be a unique type of artist who has a voice that is carried throughout all these different movies and they can be both weird as fuck and also sorry can i curse on this yeah, absolutely yes. yes right um uh, weird, weird as hell and, and also uh you know commercial successful mainstream films like that seemed really amazing to me yeah in fact i'm, I'm i should have done this beforehand what was what was after ed wood i'm trying to see because there was that that huge run 
that uh, well when was nightmare before christmas is that oh that, and then there's no, he uh, he, i know he didn't direct that but oh that's right he's right but he did he did produce it and it had it had that that uh, yeah that look that vibe but yeah it would um sorry and then a movie okay i would say the movie the next movie i'm i love i'm in a minority and then it sort of gets a little bumpy um oh mars attack i love mars attack yes (laughs) then then we're into sleepy hollow and planet of the apes and uh yeah but um uh yeah there 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 is a real sensibility there that i I don't know for years i was just resistant to i mean i enjoyed the film but uh i think finally i had to cop by the time he made like five movies in a row that sort of tapped into that you're like okay this guy even if he doesn't believe this it's it's he's committing to the bit so you know you know what i was like i i can't remember why recently i was like maybe you guys already know this but um yeah and also like i was i was a child when these movies were coming out i'm sure it was a different you know different vibe when you guys were watching them but um the i I just read recently that beetlejuice was written for sam kennison and it made the whole movie click i was like oh wow oh that's Joe, can you confirm from. that? Is that does that ring a bell? Uh, no, I've never heard that. Yeah, it does. That is that is yes. You can, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, you can see the DNA. It's in the DNA of it. Like, and then he. I think he died. Like the year that they were trying to get him. Maybe he'd signed on or something. But but yeah, I was like, how? Because I was thinking about Marcel. Like, it's kind of unusual to have a character that is sort of like the central premise of the movie is this character and there's not a, a precedent for it or there's not it didn't come from a tv show or a spinoff from a book or something but beetlejuice is totally one of those such a loud flavor of a character and the, the fact that he's based on sam Kennison, i was like got it that, that is, is why that happened i wonder if, i wonder <laughs> if they would have been able to get it down from an r if uh, it had been him yeah, <laughs> yeah probably I, just, not. I can't see him doing anything that family friendly not, not that it's not a dark film but Wow. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you had another one, which is, I, I love this director. I know Joe does too. I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show. Um, uh, George Miller. And, which yeah. Is George Eastwick. Miller rules. Like if you're going to pick a George Miller film. Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a specific story about Witches of Eastwick and the reason that it's, I listed it with eight and a half. Oh, okay. Are they together? Yeah. You must feel free to put them together. together. That's a, yeah. It's a weird, weird combo. But, uh, uh, when I was younger, my, I mean, first of all, yeah, huge George Miller fan. I'm reading that, um, that, uh, book about the making, oh, the making of, of Fury Road. Yeah. Yeah. Making Fury Road right now. And that's, I mean, yeah. What a hero. It's um, uh, literally the first book I read to my son. So. <laughs> Blood, sweat, and, and, and how old is his son? Uh, he's 24. six weeks, six weeks old. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yeah. They were like, you got to read something, just read anything to him. And I was halfway through the book. So I spent the rest of the time just. <laughs> reading uh that and then we watched the film together and um oh cool he dozed peacefully but, <laughs> but no i just don't i feel like um god i can't where, where are you a sorry i don't mean to interrupt i want to hear your story very about loud show. very loud movie to, for your son to be that's what i was gonna say to... what what have you been feeding him <laughs> oh he sleeps through everything it's amazing it's amazing except except my own sleep you know if unless we're sleeping then that wakes him up but um uh yeah sorry so witches of eastwick and eight and a half how do you how do you tie them in (laughs) (laughs) uh the original west world is also in there but um so we were so uh my dad was really into sailing um he still is really into sailing and we would go on vacation we would to these like great tropical locations we would be with an eye shot of a fancy comfortable resort but Mm. we would be anchored on a 30-foot boat sleeping five to the boat (laughs) 
and <laughs> me, my two older brothers, and uh, my parents. And he rented. I think we complained that you know it was boring or something. And so, like one year, he rented a, uh, which were I guess they weren't new at the time. Anyways, like a portable television that had a VHS player, and um, and he, but he only rented three. Uh, movies and it was like you know a three-week trip or something like that so I, on repeat we watched eight and a half westworld and um which is eastwick wait wait sorry <laughs> but how how old were you then oh yeah we have a i mean i was i don't know how old i was i was i'm gonna say like 11 probably 11 the wow. first movie i saw in a theater was uh robocop when i was like two and a half uh, okay so there wasn't a lot of parental guidance going on apparently not I'm just I'm boggling an 11 year old watching eight and a half over and over again. I mean, I want to hear how you feel about all those movies. But well, when you're like stuck on the open ocean with just like mosquitoes in your face and you know <laughs> nothing else to do, you end up you end up force watching eight and a half. But but I think that probably part of it was just wanting to escape that uh, vacation. Um, <laughs> that it it became that was the point that I can locate is like movies became my little window, <laughs> my little escape hatch. Um, but, but of those movies, which is the Eastbrook is the one that I still return to and think is just like so brilliant and great. Really? Okay. Over Westworld. Yeah. I've, I've only seen that was a, that there. was a, a transitional movie for George because, uh, you know, he had come to Hollywood and we had done the Twilight Zone movie and now we were, yeah, both, right. we were Oh, right. We were, yeah. I forgot you worked We were both uh, going into our first studio pictures. Oh, and, wow. uh, and so he did, which is Eastbrook and he learned about the studio system. And how it works. And all, all the actresses in the picture, they were all mis all recast by the studio. They all they were, they're all playing different parts than the oh. ones that they originally started. Oh wait, uh, oh, but they were all cast in the film, just playing different. They were oh, they were cast in the film, but they were moved around. They said, oh, 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 these, oh, wow. she's, she's got to play this, and she's got to play this. So so, so there was so much interference that George just said, Do you, you know, I'm just going back where, to where I'm a star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, that's wow, that's so crazy. Uh, do you happen to remember like who I can't imagine them playing different roles within that film? Yeah, they all they all, they all each played different roles. Weird. I had heard a story, maybe you can tell me this is true. I don't remember where I read or heard this, but that uh, Alien had just come out or it was out and it was it was doing really well, and that a studio executive showed up to set with a actor dressed in an alien costume and said, You have to put this into the third act of the film. I don't care how you do it. And that uh, <laughs> George walked off of the set. And I think the only reason that that they let him not do it was that Jack Nicholson stood up for him and said, if George goes, I go. That, uh, I never heard that story, but it sounds completely <laughs> accurate. Wow. I mean, it would be aliens, by the way, not aliens. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. Aliens, yeah. So that's, oh, that's where crazy. it's with your experience. Well, the, it, the, that particular group of executives, yes, I would put in uh -huh. past them. Gosh, well, they managed to make he managed to make a great movie in that in those circumstances. Interesting. I'm well, not. Are you? Are you a? I I I have only seen it the once in theaters, and I don't remember a thing. I have to be honest. Um, I, I, <laughs> I watched it. I so I obviously watched it back then, but then revisiting it. I don't know. Maybe when I was getting into actually directing and feeling like really, yeah, that'd be, did it hold it. up? I guess was the question. Yeah. Totally held up. Really? Yeah, okay. totally held up. I, I, I the, the, uh, the ending is, is like, I, I think, I think George Miller has said that he like they rewrote the ending without him or something. The ending feels like not the same movie, but I love the fact that it's, you know, it's called The Witches of Eastwick, 
uh, and also based on a John Updike novel, I think. Yeah. Um, so it has, I don't know, it has a lot going on underneath the surface. But I love the fact that like they don't, yeah, it's called the Witch's Eastwick. Yeah, he's kind of playing Satan or something, but they never say the word witch, I don't think. They never cast a spell until that, like, the very ending. You never see. I, I, th I think that's what I find so elegant about, actually, a bunch of the movies on this list. is like they're squarely genre movies that aren't. The, the, the main trope or the main thing of it is, like, understood. They're like, you know, we know the audience understands us. They're witches. We don't need to make a big deal about them being witches. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I just can't. I mean. I... It almost sounds, look, you're on a sailboat, so there's, it can only be so terrible. I mean, sailboats are wonderful, but just the idea of like being locked into some place with no escape and only having three movies. Is oh, yeah. It was like we were in Antigua in the summer, so it was like 99 degrees and there were just mosquitoes. You know, it's like we were all getting bitten up and there wasn't, you know, like all the food that we thought had to be bought on shore before we left. So like you just... And no, and no love for Westworld out of that. That was the. Uh, oh no, the... I do love, I do love Westworld. Also, oh, okay. I don't know why it got left off the list there. Westworld's great. Um, yeah, the original Westworld's great. Gil Brenner's amazing in it. I think he's. I maybe you guys can help me. I've been trying to think of another movie. You know the the sort of you know the trope of like the villain walking really slowly. Right. Does it predate Westworld? I mean. The mummy used to walk slow. Yeah, the mummy, the walks, mummy slow. walks slow. That's true. Okay. Zombies, yeah, yeah, yeah. zombies walk zombies slow. Zombies in general. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The Living Dead stuff. Yeah. Maybe yeah, and he's a robot. Anyway, so it's yeah. not not human. <laughs> no. But are there? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. But um, uh, and then what did you, as a ten-year-old, make of Eight and a Half? That seems to be the one that would be the hardest. Well, my dad, my dad is a, um, or was he retired a year or two ago? A, a Freudian psychoanalyst. So, mm. so eight and a half is sort of like a rich text for someone that's taking a Freudian lens to it. <laughs> but I think it was just visually, I was like a very visual kid and mm -hmm. was pretty introverted and just drawing a lot. So I think just the visual flair of, you know, Fellini in that era was pretty mind blowing to me. I don't think I understood anything about the story or any of that. And have, um, you, have you gone back to watch it since you've become a director? Um, Probably not in a good good long while. A little bit. I've used like clips of it in pitches and stuff like that. But um, no. But I, I'm sure I re would relate to it so much more now. You know, because it's sort of about this. Well, you'll find that as you get older, you'll relate to it differently every time you see it. And especially, uh, right. especially being in the business, because um, your whole take on on what's going on in that movie kind of changes every ten years. You know, with when you relate it to your own life, that's one of the reasons it's a great movie. Do you remember what your trajectory was from like? What, I saw it when I like saw it when I was a teenager, and I didn't understand much of it at all. Uh, but it was so cool; it had a lot of really yeah. cool stuff in it. Um, yeah. And uh, the version that I saw was was dubbed in English, and um, which turned out, I realized later when I saw the version with subtitles, that it was it played better in English because there are so many overlapping conversations in it that can't oh. be translated by the subtitles. That uh, it's sort of a shame that the uh, the English dub job has been lost. It's not on the Criterion. It's mm. not. On, it's just I, I I have a I have a sixteen millimeter print with that track, and I tried to get Criterion to to use it and say let's make this an alternate track because people should really do this, but it, nothing ever happened. With it. What? Why? 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 <laughs> they weren't interested. 
Oh man, that's great. So you own a, a print of that? Yeah, I had a big 16 millimeter film collection. Oh man, amazing. Um, I, you know, I always felt like I, you know, I went to NYU for film school, so it's sort of like I always felt like an outsider with the sort of pretentious Eurocentric um, film film nerds. But but I and and one of those one of those cases that I don't necessarily think that the original language is better than the dubbed version because of that exact reason and because of like the uh, you know there's emotional content in just the noise the sound the vocal mm -hmm. quality and stuff that you don't get if you don't speak French or you don't speak Italian or whatever and so you know people used to always make fun of me for watching the dubbed versions but half the time I think it's better. No, they used to dub them really well. So well, that, I was about yeah, to yeah. say at the risk of. Um you know, movie coming out from Netflix later this year. Hopefully they're not listening, but I've noticed that Netflix, maybe some other streaming services, when they dub, uh, there's a quality I can't even describe that is so leaden now. Yeah. It's it's just it's but that's because they do so much dubbing. I mean, any yeah. show you watch, there's the, when the credits come on, which they don't let you watch unless you push a button. Uh, it, they, the Serbo Croatian dubbers come on. I mean, it's they dub everything in every language imaginable that they could sell it. But to. without without any, yeah, it, it, it it's just like, a, an assembly line thing. Yeah, yeah, it's just so somebody you, so reading you lines. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was making fun of my girlfriend because she was watching I forget if it was Love Island or something, but it was dubbed by that Netflix voice. Whatever. I was like, is it AI? Like, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. You know what? <laughs> It's very Westworld. Right. Like, right. uh, yeah, it's very Westworld. <laughs> no, but they have that. It's true. I was listening to something the other day. It was, it was an ad for something. And this guy's talking for like 30 seconds. He's like, you probably didn't notice or didn't pick up on the fact that I'm an AI. I'm not a real human, this voice. And I was you're right. It's got that. There's a smoothness that 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 sort of undercuts real performance that I yeah. wonder if... <laughs> That and would also, be amazing to find out that Netflix dubs all of its foreign. And also, you AI. can speed it up easier. Easier. Yeah. You know, they well, love to speed stuff up. And you, whenever you watch a commercial with from lawyers or something, and then at the very end of the radio commercial, it's like it's not the Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. That's so interesting because I hear there's a there's like a, I think YouTube was talking about their whatever they've gleaned from their analytics and that people watching, especially younger like teenagers who are watching tutorials or podcasts they listen to it in two times speed in two times speed, because yeah. they're yeah because they're doing something else while it's they're listening or whatever yeah that's so crazy but maybe you're right maybe it is. that's why we sound like this to everybody <laughs> <laughs> so no one can fast forward to them this <laughs> you know i'll get my mother right is there a way to slow it down you talk so fast <laughs> um Wow. Well, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of speaking of foreign films, um, you've got a yeah. couple of a uh, couple of true foes going on here. One of which, um, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm not that I'm not, I'm excited to talk about all of these with you, Dean. But there's one that I, I particularly love that is not the one you think. But oh, um, no, no, talking about your true foe. He's got a two foe two foe double feature of Day for Night and Small Change. Yeah, Day for Night and Small Change. I'm sure I saw in college, um, but I think it's not. I think all of the, I don't know, I'm just trying to trying to find a narrative to this also, but I think all the directors on here, like I find them to be, they, they're usually, Truffaut's not always funny, but those two movies in particular are pretty funny and comedic and Day for Night is a little bit of like a, it's like a portrait of a film set, which is obviously appealing to anyone who's like been on a film set, but then, you know, parts of it are like a comedy of errors um, and Small Change is sort of the same thing, but they, 
they, I think, very elegantly set up and break their own rules. About, like in small change, a kid falls out of a window and he's fine. Like an eight-story. I love it. I mean, that's the scene that I have <laughs> ever seen in theaters when it came out. It's breathtaking. Sorry, we're spoiling yeah. it. Yeah, and the kid gets closer to the window and he drops. And you've been watching this. God help me, you picked one of the few that works. Charming movie. Uh, right. And oh my God, they're about to kill an infant. And, we and uh, he, we we did the trailer for that. At, uh, oh, did you? Oh, was, it's as, really? it was Roger oh, Palmer. Yeah, Roger. Yeah, yeah. And so we did the trailer, and uh, that was when that was when Truffaut was in town. So we got to meet him. Oh, oh my wow. gosh, amazing! And what did he show? The show him our show him our first embarrassing movie. <laughs> <laughs> what, was saw, he, what was he like? He saw Hollywood Boulevard. We ran it wow, sixteen millimeter for. I, know, I was too embarrassed to actually All right, watch Dean, we movie. have to stop it here, this story. Yeah, I was too embarrassed to actually watch the movie, but Todd McCarthy, who worked for Variety, uh, had a, had, a, had us over to his house, and, and Truffaut and wanted, wanted to see the movie for reasons that, that still amaze me. And, uh, and so we said, well, we think of it as day for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and supposedly they told, uh, me, they told me he liked it, but uh, I, I frankly can't imagine it. Why did he not? Not I mean, yeah. You, you, why? Why did Truffaut want to see that? I have no idea. I, I guess he wanted to see what what we were doing. I think what the distributor of his movies was putting out. What else they were putting out? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you could go two ways on that. I mean, one would be like, well, I am obviously their best filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, yeah. No, I love that film. It's it's great. It's like I, I feel like it doesn't get talked about a lot when people talk about Truffaut. And, it's not it's not shown very often. Yeah, and it's it's just yeah. it's about kids. It's small change refers to the children. It's just sort of lives of children. They all kind of intersect and basically, I mean, it's been a long time. But somebody, am I wrong? It's like they just sort of run around. They make a lot of noise, and then the movie ends. It's like and, a sci documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does feel like a. That's what I was going to say. It feels a little bit like a scripted documentary or something. There's something pretty voyeuristic about a lot of it. That, yeah. with the, that scene with the baby is a good example where you're like, you want to intervene. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're like, do they know that kid's about to? Um, and then what's the great line? Like, ah, children, they bounce. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I, which I, I can I can attest. They do. They do. Um, <laughs> thank God. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love that film. I love that film. It might be my favorite true film. also about the way it sneaks up on you, sort of like that you care about these characters. It feels ambling it feels sort of meandering and like you know there's no real plot here or something and then by the end of it it feels like oh yeah I, i'm so invested sort of a little yeah. magic trick and then um can we talk i joe joe will be thrilled because this has come up only once or twice but it's so hard to find although did they finally come out uh, uh, taking off milos forman's film oh uh, yeah i don't know why it's so hard to find it's still not available uh there's nothing is like a, some Austrian Blu-ray or something. It's a rights issue. There, there is a. There, you can get it overseas, um, but it's just one of those movies. I have that, a Region Zero DVD of it or whatever. Yeah, so uh, it's a wonderful bought. picture, and and uh, it's just it's it's a tragedy that it's not well known. Where where did you stumble across? I, it? I mean, that's what I'm. I, I the trajectory for me was that I got I forget you know when they put out that they put out Criterion or maybe or Janus Film put out like this huge compendium of all their movies or something like when mm -hmm. I was in college and so I got really into Milos Forman's like Czech New Wave movies and thought he was so funny and and that group of guys that came out of that area and then and I just couldn't believe like wait Milos Forman's the same guy that like I'm a you know like didn't make sense to me and so I started trying to track down his other movies that sort of bridge that gap and taking off is one of my all-time favorites. So, that was his first American movie. 
Yeah. And the, and the um, I found like the first half of it on a Russian YouTube website, like recently. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on at the rights of this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's a shame if, if um, someone can release it. It truly deserves it. It's such a, uh, yeah, such a beautiful movie. Such a great, um, again, like one of those movies that really hits you in the feelings, but starts off feeling like this might just be kind of a, uh, broader comedy about a teenager running away and her dorky parents trying to find her and but it's like yeah it's just so um observant and empathetic it's a a time capsule too yeah yeah yeah, right yeah the scene with uh i forget his name he's in ghost that actor uh teaching all these vincent Vincent chiavelli yeah Yeah, i I worked with him he's just he's passed away recently he he is a very very good actor yeah Yes, and a lovely. I met him once or twice, and he was just like the sweetest human being. Um, did you? I mean, Joe's now going to say he was a monster. I have no. No, he was. Idea. Not. <laughs> it, was, it, was it was in an episode of Erie, Indiana. He played a bat, he played a dentist. Aha! Uh-huh. I also just saw something recently. He played the first. It was a really obscure sitcom that only ran for a couple of episodes. I'd never heard of, but apparently he played the first gay character on an American TV show. So really, yep, on a show none of us have wow. heard of, but. Yeah, no, it was great. Well, um, since you brought it up, yeah, you're. I think you will, you will definitely be breaking the, uh, the ghost cherry, as it will. Um, no one's ever talked about ghost on this show. No one's ever talked about ghost. No one's no. ever talked about ghost. It's risen through my ranks of great movies since I I saw it when I was a kid. I thought it was funny, but as a director, I'm really in love with it. After knowing more about how movies get made, and it feels like a real. I don't know. It, yeah, it really holds up. What was your, I mean, do you ever, like the first time you saw it, it was it just, because um, it doesn't feel, I mean, it's not, I don't see it as quite a kid's film. It's certainly not off-putting, but it's so romantic, you know. It's and it teaches you how to throw a pot. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I rewatch that scene every night. <laughs> yes. Sexy pottery tips. <laughs> um, what are you doing in there, honey? Uh I, I, yeah, I, I think it was like on HBO or something a time when I was growing up. That's my memory of discovering it for the first time. I don't think I saw it in theaters. Um, and, you know, I just thought I was a fan of comedy and thought Whoopi Goldberg's really funny. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is, I, I guess I can remember when I think about watching it as a kid, being sort of like feeling awkward when the romance, romantic scenes would happen. But yes, it is so romantic. And it, I love that it's, there's something about it's a, sincerity that mm-hmm. that is a time capsule to me like I, I i don't i haven't seen maybe it's coming back i hope so i mean i think marcel hopefully is helping that shift but sincerity went out of fashion for a long time and that movie is like so just earnest yeah and it's also i mean it it um it goes everywhere tonally which i like yeah and it's sweet and it's funny it's scary it's violent um it does have as i think on it it's got i think one of the most gratifying you know, I don't I don't go to a movie like Ghost for, you know, those sort of gratifying dirty Harry urges. Um, you know, <laughs> see those bastards punished. Right. But it does it's it's got like one of those gratifying bad guy kills of all time, because not only does the bad guy get it, you get to watch his spirit leave his body and he realizes yeah. that he's dead. And it's like, yeah, you fucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the great come up and scenes. He yes. also you have like 
I want to say you have like a minute of him noticing that the uh, the shadows are coming for him after he's yes. been killed. Where he's yes, that's right. That's terrified. right. Yes. Not only did you just realize you're dead, but now you face eternal damnation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dirty Harry Absolutely. just kills him. <laughs> it's yeah. great. And yeah. yeah, that was also like for me, it was the first time I was sort of like, oh, this Patrick Swayze guy is pretty great. Um, yeah. I was also going to say directorially the moment or yeah, I'm always like, I don't know, maybe you guys are too, but the, the, the more I understand about making movies and how difficult it is, the more I admire it when someone pulls off sort of like a little magic sleight of hand trick. And in that movie, I, while watching it the most recent time, whenever that was, I was like, wow, if you, in that scene where um, Oda May lets Patrick Swayze occupy her body so they can dance. So he oh. and Jimmy can dance one more time. Yeah. So moving. But if you cut to, if you hard cut to the reality of that moment, she's making out with Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like if a neighbor came in at that moment, they'd be like, what the? Um, and the fact that you don't think about that at all is so incredible. Right. I think that's a real directing sleight of hand move. Um, you're just so swept up in it. And it was such an interesting shift. Um, for Jerry Zucker, because I was just like, like Kentucky Fried yeah. Man, Airplane, Top Secret, Ruthless People, Naked yeah, Gun. People. Yeah, but wasn't this Ghost. the first? Wasn't this the first solo? Yeah, the uh, first without without the yeah. 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 Um, so the so other guys are dragging him down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Knuckleheads always want to be telling jokes. Yeah, I got hot. Well, I tell you, my background is like mostly in comedy, um, and I yeah, I mean, I, that's why that's why like I. I look for those directors that sort of come from a comedy background, get a little bored of its restrictions and then try to make something dramatic or something that is moving because um, those are, yeah, those make for great films. Um, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that actually makes me want to go see it again. It's been a while. Um, tell me about it. Here's one I've always wanted to see and have never seen. Uh, you're a fan of Paprika. Oh yeah. Paprika is great. I think, it, well, do you like, a, I don't know, like psychedelic sort of like, um, Gosh, I don't know if there's anything out there that's like paprika. You're it's selling like me. Uh, selling me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, Inception combined with um, something psychedelic anime or something like that. But yeah. it uh, it, it it's a really yeah really great movie. I saw it the first time on, uh, and I was on mushrooms, and then I saw it the second time the next day not on mushrooms, and it was the exact same effect. So I think. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's, I think it's a great movie. Um, but uh, I, yeah, it's like always amazing when you find someone. I, I envy animators or animation directors because they can inject like even the shape of a plate of grass with their unique signature style and expressiveness or whatever. And uh, this guy who made Paprika Satoshi Khan, I think is his name, um, made like four bangers that were really huge in japan and uh he's building you know a name of, for himself as like the new heir to the whatever miyazaki throne or something like that and then he i think he died like really young at like 48 or something like that right. and so his you know i think probably most americans know him because um uh darren Aronof darren aronofsky um I think licensed one of his movies to make Black Swan, even though Black Swan turned out very different. Oh, really? I had no idea. Um, oh, but, uh, I'm looking. Anyways, but Paprika rules, man. Great. 
Um, oh yeah, he did. He did Tokyo Godfathers too. Oh yeah, he did that one. Yeah. The uh, uh, yeah, I had no idea the, that connection. Interesting. Are you? Are you, like are you sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that something that that I don't understand why it's this way, but for some reason in Japan and a lot of the world, animation seems to be there's adult animation. It's just a viable like, genre. And uh, in America, like what I'm going through right now with Marcel is yeah you know, we're fighting against the idea that animation is only for kids or something right right well you're well, even... you're you're up against the minions problem that's right ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, the minions problem how do we solve a problem with the minions? I, not going i guess the only way. but uh <laughs> but no but i mean you've got you've got one foot in i would say it's even, it's even harder for you because you've got one foot in in a kind of um i mean one could take a look at that trailer and go oh it's kids movie and it's not not a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. But, but but it's it's and I don't want to say more than that because I mean some kids movies are some of the greatest movies ever made and most written, but it's I don't know. I I just uh I don't envy you, I guess is all I'm saying. You're, uh, <laughs> you're trying you're, to market your quandary trying to sell a thing. And also the raise a question because were you is animation, you know, again, it's like you look at that film and it's like I could see this guy going on to just you know to do nothing but make animated films and be an animation guy. I can, I can see you going off and making, you know, live action features as well, or is, is, uh, without spoiling what's next, are you, which, which camp do you belong to or do you not care? I belong firmly in the live action camp, but nowadays, but, but I've always had a love for animation and obviously Marcel is an animated character, but, um, isn't everything hybrid animated now? It feels like every 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 Marvel movie, every like bigger budget movie has so much visual effects yeah. that it's almost the same process as making Mar something like Marcel. But um, so you heard it here first, uh, folks. Dean Pleasure Camp's <laughs> next movie will be a Marvel film. That's, what he's <laughs> That's right. Be yeah. Doing. <laughs> um, it. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm open to anything. I really like. I really like finding new new sort of formal things to explore and Marcel is definitely that. Um Joe, I feel like you probably yeah, I mean were, were you combining stop motion like on gremlins and stuff? Is some of that oh, I, I, I was always a, a stop motion fan and so every time I would make a yeah. movie I would try to find a reason to stick in stop motion. <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the point that when 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 some of the actors were doing uh, looping on on Piranha there was the stop motion creature in the sort right. of the laboratory which yeah. of course hadn't hadn't been on the set. And they said what what kind of movie is this? And I said, that, it's that kind of movie. <laughs> that's, that's that's to tell the audience that this is that kind of movie. This is that kind of movie. <laughs> I feel like there is such a, um, the, during that era, there were so many great like practical effects artists and uh, puppeteers and puppet designers, creature designers, physical creature designers. But that's like, I, I, I love it when I see that in movies now or are combining it with CG, augmenting. Yeah, it's not it's not um, a law it's not a lost art but it's it's a it's an art yeah. that, uh, I, i'd like to think is coming back yeah the cgi yeah. is great but it's but it's also it's great also for you know, augmenting things that you can do on the set which i think yeah. is better for the actors and also better when you got it in the can you know you're not you know Absolutely. not farming it out to somebody's computer for like two months from now yeah because there's so much that gets communicated through that thing's performance or within the scene with actors like interacting with it that you just you're just shooting blind if you're like handing that off to a vfx house yeah 
Yeah. You, um, you, don't, you don't really know who it is that's, you know, making these decisions for you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which could end up being like a main character's entire performance. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, where, did you ever work with the Kyoto brothers, Joe? And I know that I knew the Kyoto brothers. They, uh, they, they briefly worked at Corman's, <laughs> didn't everybody? Uh, oh, okay. They did? Yeah. They oh, did, God, but, yeah. But in the print department. You know, rewinding reels. Oh, that's right. You, you they, they're, they're one of them is involved with your film, right? Yeah. So they produced the stop motion. In, oh, that's in great. Now they're they're really yeah. Oh, yes, what was yeah, the totally. um, yeah? I was startled to see that because I, I had not been keeping track. But yeah, they they were sort of in that in that world deep for a long time. And um, sure, Killer what was it called? Killer clowns and killer clowns. Yeah, and the critters. I had a friend yeah. who, who worked yeah. with him a long time ago and he had a little model for a film that never happened. It was such a great idea. It was, a, I can't remember the great title. What was it? But it was a, um, uh, it, it was about this like mutated steroid that gets out and all these bodybuilders turn into sort of like mutant killers. And, and they, my friend who was writing it, I think with them had a, a model of one of these things that was just terrifying because he had a huge beefy, you know, his body was just completely buffed out. Um, and then he had a horrible spray of like murderous acne on his back. <laughs> and then he's just wearing tidy little shorts and he obviously had a minuscule pecker and no balls. Cause you know, they, it was just horrifying and it was, uh, they were going to do it. It was about like steroids gone wrong. And, but, um, yeah, that was, that was funny. Cause they, yeah, they've come a long way from that to, to <laughs> parcel the show with shoes on, which has no yeah, killer clowns or steroids or, or penises. Yeah. Um, at least that very, I know. Very of. low body count. <laughs> very low, low body count. Thing, yeah. But but <laughs> to get back to kind of the the interesting arena, you know, because again, it's it's there is animation to it, but it's not what you think of as an animated film. Um, you also mm-hmm. put uh, Mononc and Playtime as uh, films of yours, which are mm-hmm. obviously both live action films, Jacques Tati, but but certainly somebody that I've always thought of as kind of like almost an animator. Does that make sense? Of um, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're very cartoony, those movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and very graphic, you know, they're, they're very graphically designed. Oh, graphic, yeah, yes. That's very true, yeah. Very yeah. graphically designed, and um, they kind of use, like, Playtime, for example, I saw in a theater once, but it's, like, oh. really hard to find. But but there's so many um, gags that you just, you would never be able to see them if you were watching it, even on a large home, home theater setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the way, yeah, the way that he plays with that composition and the, yeah, the graphical layout of things is really really cool how did how did you come to him uh mr bean <laughs> oh sure that I, absolutely makes sense i was such a yeah i was such a fan of mr bean uh when i was a kid and they were i think they'd play the shorts on hbo or something and um and then i don't know got older and was reading some interview with him and he mentioned doc tati as being his main influence and it's totally like one-to-one it's like oh yeah, yeah. you're a Modern, you know, modern Um, but it also was like you know, it's one of those rare artists or directors who who sort of bridges the gap between the like art world and the um, you know, the the more pretentious film circle uh, uh, circle jerks and the um, <laughs> the like more mainstream appeal things, which is always I think my goal, and I always hope I'm going to see a movie that's like that. <laughs> right. Sure. Sure. Um, no, I'm just also because you're you're uh, uh, somewhat younger than um, both both me and Joe. 
uh, and it just it feels like the world that we lived in, where you came to everyone sort of came to these movies the same way, is gone. So I'm particularly interested when mm. you know uh, to find someone you know your age who's sort of interested in those films and found those movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's which are not widely which are not widely seen these days. Yeah, certainly yeah. not anymore. Um, but uh, no, that's great. Well, good to, good for Rowan Atkinson. I guess that's sort of how. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. All right, has anybody watched? Have you seen? He's got a new. I think what is it? A six-part uh, or six-episode series called Man versus Bee, and it's just it's oh, just him fighting. Bee? It's on Netflix. It's just him <laughs> fighting a bee for six episodes. Oh my god, that's so funny. That's a direct uh, homage to Jacques Tati. He did like a maybe an the uh one where he goes on vacation, right? Mister uh, Hulu's Holiday. There's well, a. Yeah. I think it's that one. There's one where he has a scene where he keeps swatting a bee and then it flies or it flies into the background and you can, they do it all with sound design right and then someone in the background starts swatting at something or whatever then it flies back into the park but uh i've always wanted to rip that off or something i've never too late reason to. <laughs> too late no i was talking to somebody and they'd heard that um yeah Rowan Atkinson, six episodes of a man fighting a bee they're like how is he going to sustain that and i thought <laughs> And my reaction was exactly the opposite. I was like, why is there only six episodes? Like, <laughs> I guarantee you, oh, like half man. the jokes ended up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> that is so cool. I um, can't wait to watch that. I haven't even heard about this. This is what's so weird about the like fractured entertainment yes. landscape. Like, yeah, you don't. I mean, was there ever a time in your life where you were, um, I mean, Joe, right? There was a time in your life where you were aware, at least, of pretty much everything that was out and available. Yeah, I read variety. I, I I knew what was around. I I knew it was playing in the local theaters, and I yeah, I, you know, I, 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 but it was easier to keep up then. No, know? that's what I'm saying. But I I can't even imagine what it's like now. I mean, was was there ever a time in your life, Dean, where you were sort of, you had a grip on like all the movies that were out, even if you hadn't seen half of them, you sort of knew what they all were. Or... Yeah, th yeah, but but not since uh, not since I think like smartphones and the internet became. So common. I mean, yeah, there's a time. I mean, I'm I I'm uh, of that generation that like grew up with movies being the main thing, and sure there was television, but they were very different forms of entertainment. Right. And everyone knew the movies that were at the multiplex, and we were all going to see the same, you know, five movies uh, at a time. And that, yeah, I'm I'm more than that a little bit. Um, but there's also a you know there's a silver lining, which is a kid from Richmond, Virginia, and uh, Google Playtime and Jacques Tati and <laughs> find it online. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It just it just feels like, yeah, I mean, we're in a period of change and, you know, it feels worse to those of us who are locked into the old way. But Well, but the amount of I mean, the amount of material that's out there, the new material, yeah, so is there's no way you can possibly keep up with it. I mean, you, you just look at the Emmy oh, Awards yeah. and you look at all these yeah. Emmys for people for, for uh, you know, in venues that you don't get. You know, streaming services that you don't subscribe to because there's only one show on it that you want to see and you don't want the right. rest of it. Uh, and sooner or later, those things will, you know, sort of morph into the general mainstream, you know, years after they're, mm -hmm. they're new. But uh, it's just, it's really hard to keep up with all that stuff. Yeah. And then with yeah. stuff, when those stuff sort of like dropping off at the same time, you lose that kind of, you know, everybody keeping mm -hmm. up with the show and talking about it. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I was glad to see some of the streamers have started laying off that and doing weekly releases, which I think is better. It's also just better for the filmmaker because then you're not, you know, yeah. how long does it take to make a season of a TV show? You're not dropping it all in one day and then just right. back to the drawing board. 
Well, I'm a complete hypocrite because I agree with you 100%. And with those shows, I wait until they're all done and then I binge them. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just easier. I can't keep track of something. I'm watching something, the new season of something the other day. And like, you know, picks up. And I'm like, I don't remember any of this. It's been a year and a half. Try watching the new Westworld. The fourth fourth season of Westworld. It's so hard to follow, you know, and it's completely different than the other episodes and the characters the actors are back but they're playing different characters they're playing right and it's just it's 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 it's, you can't you you can't have a week in between and still be able to follow what's going on you have to just wait and watch the whole thing at once or else you'll get lost yeah yes i love the fact that like watching an eight-hour tv show like when i was in college or something like watching uh scenes from a marriage you know Mm -hmm. like buying the buying the quadruple disc or, or renting it from the movies and then spending like you know, a weekend just watching this eight hours of Bergman was like the weirdest film dorkiest thing you could do. Uh, and now it's what we're all doing all the time. Like yeah. format wise, scenes from a marriage is like <laughs> right on trend. True. Yeah, no, I remember going with friends to see um, over the course of two days and a weekend, all of Berlin Alexander plots. And it was like, we were, you know, <laughs> we were the exalted yeah. ones. We were the serious film people. Yeah. Now, if you are really serious, you'd be yeah, watching yeah, yeah. the sorrow and the pity. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, yeah, it's funny, but yeah. but uh, uh, that was real bingeable television, I hear. <laughs> yeah, and then even I don't even know what a, it's, it's. You know, our movies, the short story now, and TV mm. is the novel. We just we just watched all of uh, uh, Slow Horses, and I think like two days and. You know, it's a movie, man. It, it's it's uh, yeah. Gary Oldman. Well, is they're amazing. all they're they're all like that. I mean, you know, Dennis Lehane's new show, Blackbird, is is, is like is like reading a yeah. novel. I mean, it's yeah. very it's very dense. As is the Old Man, which is the you know the Jeff Bridges, John Lithgow show. Yeah. Uh, it's it's these things are you know they they don't go by lightly. You have right. to you have to pay attention. Um, yeah, and uh, they're very entertaining and they're really well made. But how, you know, how much of it can you, how much is there, how much of your life do you have time to do that? Gosh, yeah. yeah. I guess Netflix is quickly finding out <laughs> how much, how much of our lives we're willing to spend on. Do, do you, do you, um, do you sort of, how do you feel about that, Joe, as like somebody who came from making movies primarily, but uh, that, does that feel like, oh, it's just another form to explore and that's cool? Or are you like, Two hours was a perfect length, and well, for me, eighty minutes. Two hours, (laughs) eighty minutes, seventy minutes. You know, like pre-code movies. That's that's, I agree. That's my life. I agree with you. But uh, it's it's changed in the sense that you know you don't have to try to fit all of War and Peace in one sitting. Yeah, uh, which is which is great. You know, now you can go into all the different characters. You can do Dickens. You can you can have all these characters who were just leading in a movie, or now there's a whole you know chapter about them. I think that's liberating. I think that's great, um, but it doesn't take away the appeal of a well-made film, you know, that you see in a theater mm-hmm. with an audience, uh, which is a completely mm-hmm. different experience than seeing it on television. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. The 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 communal experience of seeing a movie, um, particularly like, comedies. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Like. People, I think for years now we've programmed people to say you should save the movie going experience for like the big spectacle movies. But I would say like, yeah, it's just as important for a comedy or for something that is like, uh, yeah, just one of those movies that's so fun to watch with a group. Yeah, yeah horror films too. Yeah, yeah horror yeah. films. Yeah. yeah, they, they work much better with an audience. 
Yeah. Is there yeah. a Marcel TV show in the offing? It feels like that would be something somebody has at least suggested. If you've not, um, I, people have asked me. I, I, you know, I don't know. I would, I would um, be into the idea. We created like this entire community of characters for the film that are only in the film for five seconds. So that's, well, yes, there they are. Right. Not to give anything away. Marcel right. Bichel with vampire fangs. Ah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I I would love to make a Marcel horror film or like Halloween special or something. <laughs> I think it'd be so fun. Uh, we were you know that we were sort of uh, like because it was live action shoot and then we did the animation. There's a cut of the film that just doesn't have any animation in it, and like things are moving on their own very slowly, and it sort of feels like a like slow cinema horror movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Uh, the the curse of this podcast, you guys, is that I. I uh, want to ask you a million questions, and um, we're talking about me and my dumb list of movies that I brought along. <laughs> Do you get that a lot? That's our that's our sure. format. We're it's, stuck it's, with it. Yeah, it's a conversation. We're trying to make it a conversation, so it's it's anything goes really. It's uh, um, uh, if, if um, well, I, I did want to see if we could give Joe whiplash. Uh, by because this of all the stuff, it's like the one the one that sort of jumps out at me just as for a million reasons. It's like, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> unless there's a unless it's a different movie with the same name, um, he's got Marty on the list, Joe. Oh, I mean, great movie. Oh, there's only one Marty. Well, yeah, <laughs> and it's on your list. <laughs> yeah, how Marty's. Do, I mean, one of one of my favorites. Um, how do, I don't know how I came. Out on a boat again, or. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. um, I don't remember where I first saw Marty. Um, I don't know, but it's 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 another one of those movies that sticks with you. It seems sort of super simple on the surface, and I think then when you get into making movies, you realize that it's a real. Uh, it just has an incredibly graceful execution and a thoughtful one, and the performances are all so great and. Um, have you ever seen the uh, the original? Um, TV no, version I never have. With Rod no. Steiger, it's it's uh-uh. it's really good. I mean, w- there was a whole spate of pictures in the fifties that were it was tracking down, yeah, made uh, from uh, popular TV things like Patterns, yeah, Requiem for Heavyweight and all that. But uh, the originals are still really powerful. Twelve Angry Men, you know. What's, what's oh, your know. Oh, that makes sense. Joe? What's your um, who's your Marty? Who's my Marty? Who's your Marty? Scorsese. Hey, you know what I mean. Which which is your preferred? Are you uh, are you Borgnine or Steiger? I, I love Borgnine, but I think Steiger is really great in the. In the... And let me. Add, did you see Steiger first? Yeah. Okay. Do you think that's because it's funny because I've seen. I, mean, I love Rod Steiger. I'd seen Borgnine first, so he's kind of my Marty. You know, no, I'm Borgnine. I, 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 Ernest Borgnine was one of the nicest people I ever met, and really? uh, oh, he's such a wonderful guy, and just. A guy who just loved being in show business and had wow. stories, and, and he was just wonderful. But um, unfortunately, he was deaf as post, but um, but that didn't stop him. <laughs> <laughs> he still told really? his stories. <laughs> wow! How did you, you meet him? I, he he was one of the voices in Small Soldiers because we were. Oh wow! Yeah, we, right, we, used, we used we used the cast we used the cast of the Dirty Dozen as as That's voices right. for the soldiers, and he, he was. Uh, he was one of them, and he was—it was great. Him, George Kennedy, and Jim uh, Brown, great. I've, I found if you're talking to Joe, and there's uh, some some great actor that he's worked with, that you can't immediately realize, you know, oh yeah, he was in the Howling. It's like he's one of the yeah. soldiers. 
It's like that was that was just Joe's excuse to go off and work with everybody. <laughs> work with everyone like, he wanted to work with. Uh, Had to try yeah. to catch them before they go. Yes. Right. Um, uh, was Richard Jaco one of them? Uh, no, he wasn't. He was. He was. I think. I don't think he was alive. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you what it was like working with uh, Martin Short on Interspace. Oh, it was great. So that's a, it was, a favorite it was, of mine. It was so much fun. Are you, are you watching his new show? Yes. Yeah, yeah I just started Martin's, watching it. It's great. Really, it's really good. It's really I good. Just, I, I work with both him and Steve Martin, and they're both, they were both great to work with. I, um, I was watching, yeah, only, uh, what's that? only, only murders in the building. Murder, murders in the building. Murderers in the building. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. I just started it. Um, but he's so funny. But it's reminding me, I, I, I'm due for an interspace rewatch. I, I, uh, yeah, love that movie. Watched it a ton as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I had not seen it in a while. And then we had, we had Martin Short on the show and I sort of went through this whole jam of watching it. And I hadn't seen interspace in a while. I threw it up. It was just ah, so much, so much fun. Um, I mean, you knew it yeah, then, but it so just, it really holds up. And it's, uh, there's something about the, the chemistry those two guys have, even though they're barely in scenes yeah. together. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, murders, murders is one of those movies. It's exactly the thing I was guilty of. I'm waiting for the new season to finish and then we will watch it all in a weekend. Uh, right. <laughs> have you, uh, Joe, have you, would you make interspace into a TV show? It's funny. You should say that. Uh, there was a guy who, uh, approached me about it, uh, maybe a year ago. Martin Short. No, no, no. It was a, it was a writer. It was, it was somebody who didn't work on it. Uh, and he had a, had a take on it that um i don't think uh i don't think i ever heard from him again but um mm. it's a possibility i mean you know it, it, it was sort of left open-ended in the movie as if maybe there's going to be a sequel but um, yeah yeah right but uh it was not exactly did not exactly set the box office on fire and so <laughs> there wasn't any sequel it became very popular on video and now people think, that, oh, it must have been a big hit. Well, you know, it wasn't a big hit at all. But but it, uh, it it's it's yeah. it's it's got a fan base as if it was a big hit. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the real test of a good movie is if it wasn't seen in theaters and still found its audience. <laughs> yeah. Like, and all these years later, is still remembered. It, I feel like yeah, it's such a great premise. It just feels like yeah. What was what was the big hit the week the week uh, Interspace came out, Joe? Uh, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't, right. remember, I don't remember what we came out against. All I remember was the LA Times said crash and burn. Oh, <laughs> come on. Oh, because that's that's that satisfying thing, too. Of like, you know, you realize the movie that did, you know, kill him. Oh, yeah, obviously, totally. like, no one's even heard of today. Yeah, <laughs> that's, totally. that's, that's true in a lot of cases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I also, because it, it felt like, uh, uh, you mentioned one that I have not thought of in a long time and it's just, it's, it's lovely. And this one just seemed to make so much sense in terms of, of Marcel, uh, the company of strangers, you know, the company of strangers. I, I have not thought about it. Have you ever, it's like one of those things that just like, I'm, I'm going the company. Oh, like had not thought about it in a billion years, but it's that same kind of sort of a documentary, sort of not. Yeah. Yeah, that's talk so about funny. I'll tell because people haven't heard of so, it. I'm so sure. yeah, so I'm I've been on a I've been on a campaign to to get this like you know uh, released by Criterion or something. But I think the C, uh, CB, CBF CBS Canadian Film Board CSD owns it, and uh, I don't know what they're doing with it. But man, the movie is so good, and I'm always drawn to like yeah those documentary in between spaces. I feel like as uh, our lives become more and more recorded all the time and there's not it doesn't cost 
anything more, it's not effortful to document all the time, that it just opens up a totally new possibility for scripted or semi-scripted, you know, not just reality shows, but like real mm. works of art and real moving um, good movies and storytelling. And Company of Strangers, I came to like pretty late um, and just think it's like the gold standard for that. I don't even know how it works its magic and I don't know what the filming circumstances were like, but <clears throat> it's, um, for those of you that don't know, it's about, I think like eight or 10 women, older women who don't know each other. Um, this tour bus breaks down in the wilderness and uh, they have to make do for a few days while one of them goes and looks for help. And the director, Cynthia Scott, I think is her name, mm -hmm. um, cast real people and, um, and non-actors uh, who, who she thought, you know, could act natural and were willing to be generous with their, you know, personhood and experience. And, um, and then kind of, I think, went into each day with a, outline or something and it works beautifully it's an amazing meditation on life and loss and um how to make it through yeah no it, it's it's uh i was really glad it was just one of those things i saw on your list it just made me smile it just made me think something i hadn't thought of in a long time by the way i was just checking i was checking in advance guess where you can find it joe at movies unlimited our that's correct sponsors. at our sponsors <laughs> we like to unobtrusively mention them every so often <laughs> we do because they're great um if you go to the trailers from hell website uh or have all the information for our podcast you will see a banner for the movies that made me you click on that it'll take you to their site or you can just go to movies that um however you get there they have a section for our show you can click on each episode, see all the movies that were listed uh, and mentioned in that episode, and you can order them um, if they exist in hard media from moviesunlimited.com. And shipping is always free for orders over 50 bucks. So go to movies.com and tell them Josh and Joe sent you. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Was, or call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. That's right. Um, but, you know, it's funny because it, it goes to a quality that Marcel has that, uh, um, I mean, honestly, you're, it, it's one of those movies, yours, where I actually would have questions about just the making of, because I'm just curious. And I, I won't, because you're out there doing it. He's doing interviews all over the place talking about Marcel. You don't have to, but it, it has that quality. It does feel like, you know, obviously, you know, it's not really a documentary because there's a tiny little shell in it walking around talking but it does have that quality of kind of it, it feels like you gave everybody an outline for the day and they just go in and sort of like talk extemporaneously but it's 
this freaking animated shell. And it's, that's really hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that, so it, it sort of um, requires a lot of just like egoless collaboration to do that, first of all, between me, my co-writer, Nick Paley, Jenny, our producers. And it, it sort of sucks when the movie then comes out and everyone says, who wrote this line? Who wrote that line? It's kind of like, mm, we were, a, you know, nobody could probably tell you at this point. Um, I love that type of collaboration when you can just sure, be yeah. free of yourself or, but, uh, you know, and money is involved in Hollywood stuff and the credits and that all kind of pulls that apart in a way. What you're saying is you wrote every line and it's, it's your vision. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny's a, Jenny's a <laughs> puppet, like a, kind of a frog and <laughs> <laughs> I just operate her. Uh, no, no, it, <clears throat> it really was a, <clears throat> a huge, um, it was a huge writing effort, but always with the idea of, uh, we're going to use a lot of improv and we're going to try to embrace that and make it, make everything sound as much as possible, like a real documentary. And um, and also kind of to your point, Joe, about the, the dubbing and overlapping lines and things. I'm like so curious how they're going to dub this movie. Not just because Jenny does that Marcel voice. And yeah. I've never met anyone who can really uh, do a good impression. But um, but also because there's a ton of overlapping audio and you get so much from the the um, audio. The, there's a quality to <clears throat> there's emotional content to what people are saying that is subtextual. How you know, usually actually how we communicate as humans, I think usually the least reliable conveyor of uh thought is the actual text of the sentence. Um right. yeah, for sure. And uh and so I just I really wanted to create kind of a production model where we could embrace those things and write towards that. And um and I would also say that, you know, we did all the audio first. So you're not oh, spending money okay. to shoot got it and you that can you can record constantly and record a scene nine different ways and say oh that's not working why don't we let's just keep right. rolling but why don't we keep rolling while isabella rossellini is eating the sandwich and maybe we'll use that chewing sound somewhere like all those that's, that's, that's how cartoons that's how cartoons are made yeah what yeah, was totally. the um joe i apologize because only a couple of weeks ago you mentioned it but i i have not slept since then uh, i have an excuse you were what, what were you on the airplane recently and you came across oh. a film of yours and you watched five times for the different well you, you, you were since you're you were mentioning what are they going to do about the voices yeah uh, i was trapped on an airplane and i they were the only movie that they were running that i thought was any good was one of mine <laughs> and, uh, and also oh, wait, that happens everywhere also, joe goes they were all they were i, I was on air france and all the all the films were french Except this one, uh, which was Looney Tunes, the movie I made a couple of years ago. Oh, that's right. Oh, yes. hell yeah. And so I, I thought, well, this is interesting because they had all these different versions of it. And I thought, well, I wonder what, the, I wonder what Daffy Duck sounds oh, like yeah. in Japanese, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or, or, or Italian or what you say. The usual Netflix list of like lots and lots of different dubs, uh, none of which, of course, I was involved in. And, uh, and so I watched this picture with all these different languages and it was really fascinating to see. It was the German version was the one that captured the voices most, uh, or, or that you could say, well, that, that really does sound like Daffy Duck. Some of the other ones were so far afield that you, you know, Bugs Bunny just sounds like, uh, or was born, you know, I mean, just, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but nonetheless, that's how they went out. Um, so I, you know, when you're, Oban, when, when you're doing your, when you're doing your voices for Marcel, when you, cause you should be involved in 
choosing the voice. Yeah, the dubs, yeah. Uh, you should definitely make sure that they get the timber right. Mm. And that you don't get somebody who's miscast doing the voice. Mm-hmm. How do you do that, though, for 25 languages or however many territories they spit Well, out? I don't know. It depends on who's distributing your movie. But uh, usually yeah. they let you... Um, well, I was, I'm spoiled because when I was at Amblin, they used to, uh-huh. we used to be involved in all the dubs for all the different territories. And we would actually dub yeah. them ourselves and pick the voices and, and do the mix and all that kind of stuff. Um, and if you, let, if you let them do the mix in their country, they would right. botch it up and they would turn up the dub and turn down the effects and sound and music. And it would, it would yeah. so you had to do it yourself. Um, so I, I don't know who's in charge of your, your distribution, but you should uh, definitely yeah. try to take a hand with it. <clears throat> Interesting. I think it's uh, universal and focused for foreign territories. Well, they should—they'll they'll be sympathetic. They got, they got they money. Know, they like your movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so this is this is out. Money. This is out now, and it's going to go wide on. Um, it's going to go. It goes wide on Friday, and then I think it expands even more. On I don't think that's the widest. I think at the twenty-second, it's expanding to even more theaters. Right. Well, we'll, so, we'll be yeah. up. we'll be up by then. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's expanding as we speak. Um, and soon, what probably showing in 2000 theaters. Is that the hope or? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a lot of snails. Um, <laughs> exactly. Well, Dean, thank you so much. Yes. No, thank of you, course. Mary. It's been a blast. Thanks. And uh, the movie is, is such a, again, if you know Marcel, then it's not going to be this for you. But for me, it was such a pleasant surprise. Um, thank you and, so much. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm uh, just so, so honored to get to talk to you both. And um, I feel like I need a whole nother, I need to start a podcast so I can have you guys on and ask you all the questions <laughs> I didn't get asked. <laughs> Make another movie and come back. Uh, call our people, call <laughs> our people, and we'll see if we can schedule you in. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thank Thanks. you so much, Dave. Bye, everyone. Our show was recorded from several well stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies and Me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.